let's uncover our stims together. For any new or returning viewers, if you find content like this helpful, talking about neurodivergency and autism, please give this video a like and subscribe to my channel to stay up to date for any new videos in the future. Hey guys, welcome back to my channel. So on today's episode, I wanted to go over a brand new worksheet that I had made where we can uncover our stims. The reason why I wanted to make this worksheet is because I think it's so important for there to be tools out there for individuals who were diagnosed with neurodivergency as adults to be able to learn more about their neurodivergency on their own and in a very affordable way. I say that because there is not that many resources out there for neurodivergent individuals. So people who may have been diagnosed with ADHD as an adult or people who may have been diagnosed with autism as an adult to begin to learn more about what neurodivergency is, let alone what their neurodivergency is, because what it really is, is a spectrum, right? And a lot of the times our spectrum is going to be different from other people's spectrum. I heard this quote when I was discovering my own neurodivergency where there is no neurotypical person that is the same to each other. And the same thing applies to neurodivergent individuals. Just cause you have ADHD doesn't mean your ADHD will look the same as someone else with ADHD and the same goes for autism. So it's super important for us to learn about what neurodivergency is in general, how it affects our life, but also what our neurodivergency is, what it means to us, what our spectrum looks like so that we could begin to figure out what accommodations we need in life and what we need to integrate into our lives to make it more comfortable for us to live, to help better our mental health and to bring more balance. Stimming is such an important part of being a neurodivergent individual. The reason why knowing what your stims are is so important is because as you can understand what sensory stimulation can either make you feel extremely uncomfortable or bring a deep sense of comfort and peace to you, you could begin to either avoid certain sensory inputs and outputs that can send you into a burnout or meltdown, or likewise tap into certain sensory stimulation that brings a deep sense of comfort and peace in order to bring your baseline back down, balance you out a little bit more so that you're not constantly on edge, tense and anxious. So I have the worksheet pulled up on my iPad right here and I'm just gonna go over it and fill it out as if I'm the one who bought this worksheet and I'm trying to uncover my stims. And I'm just gonna like help walk you guys through the process so that you guys can have a good idea of how you wanna fill this out. I've made a video and worksheet like this in the past. I made a digital planner for people who struggle with executive dysfunction. I also made a video where I filled that out. It's called the sandwich technique and a lot of you guys have found it helpful so I hope that this workbook is just as helpful to you guys in your journey as well. Okay, so this is the cover page. It kind of just encompasses what this workbook is about. It says uncovering your stims, understanding your neurodivergency, uncover what your spectrum may look like. And of course I included the five senses because that is kind of what we're going to be tapping into today. 
So on the second page of this worksheet, I go into what our senses are. It's important to know that these are the things that we're gonna be constantly reflecting on throughout this worksheet when it comes to stims, because a stim is associated to a sense. And so it's good to like, just get that ingrained in our brain right away. The senses that we're gonna be tapping into is auditory, which is what you hear, tactile, which is touch, gustatory, which is taste, visual, which is sight, and olfactory, which is smell. The reason why I included terms like this is because these are terms that are used in like the psychological and medical field. And so I think it's important for us as we learn about our neurodivergency to begin to get accustomed to these types of terms as well. Moving on to the third page, I kind of go into when you're neurodivergent, how you experience senses is very different. It's because of these two things. We're either hypersensitive or we're hyposensitive. And so this is super important because a lot of the times when we're hypersensitive to something, a lot of the times we don't don't know that that is what we're dealing with. When you're a neurodivergent person that just recently discovered your neurodivergency, a lot of the times what this could translate into in your daily life is, I'm just always irritable, I'm always fatigued, I'm always just on edge, I'm so tense all the time. I feel like sometimes it's hard for me to regulate my emotions or my anger and things like that. So you might think you're just like an unreasonable adult or an adult that's so emotional all the time for no reason. But what that could really be is just an objective hypersensitivity. You know, little things like the light at your work might be bothering the crap out of you, but you don't know that's what it is. Or the chair that you're constantly sitting on throughout the day is so uncomfortable. Or the tags in your clothes are bothering you. You're basically not receiving the right sensory accommodations in order to feel comfortable and have your baseline back to normal. And on the other end of the spectrum, there's hyposensitivities. Hyposensitivity is kind of where I think stims really come in a lot of the times because you're literally seeking for that sensory stimulation in order to get your brain to focus better. What this could translate into is, let's say you're in a work meeting or you're talking to a loved one or a person and you just can't seem to concentrate. Your mind is going everywhere. You're just feeling so tense. That could be an example of hyposensitivity. It's like your body is seeking to stim, but a lot of the times we don't know what we're even experiencing and that we're seeking a stim. So a lot of the times what that could feel like is just you're just buzzing in your body and you feel like you're trapped. An example for me of like feeling hyposensitive and seeking that stim is, for example, sometimes when I'm at the movie theaters, I could feel a deep sense of anxiety and panic because I'm just sitting there very still and I'm wanting to seek like a tactile stim, like to do something with my body or just any sort of stim, like honestly, other than just sitting there and watching the screen. Sometimes I'll feel the need to just like jump out of my chair and go run around the theater sometimes or move. But of course that's not socially acceptable. So that would be an example of like hyposensitivity. And also like hyposensitivity could just be like the opposite of hypersensitivity. You're receiving a sensory input, but you're not perceiving it in a normal way. So moving on to the fourth page, we're starting off 
off with smell, okay? We gotta work our way to figuring out what our stims are. First, we gotta just start off with like our sensory experience period, and then we could begin to discover our stims. How we can do that is just basically figuring out what sensory discomforts we have and what sensory comforts we have. I'm gonna change this to... Discomforts I have with smell are mildew. Other smells that I do not like is BO, body odor, um, bad breath. A good way for me to think about this is like moments where I catch myself holding my breath. This is pretty obvious, but I do not like the smell of pee and poo. And I say that because I have animals, so every time I have to clean my cat's litter or pick up my dog's poop, I have a very strong aversion to it, but also going into bathrooms as well, if I could smell the previous person in there, it's just like very gross to me. I don't like the smell of alcohol. Strong cologne and perfume. I'm really weird about that kind of stuff. Like there's certain smells that I love and then certain smells I feel extremely uncomfortable with. Smells that I find myself extremely drawn to are clean laundry. I, I'm already gonna see like a pattern here. Good hygiene. When I could tell someone takes care of themselves, keeps themselves clean. Not even like they're wearing perfume or cologne, but I could just smell that there's like a neutral smell that they just showered. And sometimes maybe like a hint of their soap or shampoo. That is like such a deep sense of comfort for me. I love that. I love smelling my pets. I know this is weird, but I like to smell like my pet's fur. Even if my dog smells a little bit stinky for whatever reason, I like that smell, it's comforting. And also my cat's fur as well, I think smells so comforting. Ooh, okay, so I like the smell of candles. The reason why I love the smell of certain candles is because there's something about when a candle is lit, you like the smell and it's like that warmth added to the smell. It hits your nose a little bit different. So that specific smell is very comforting to me. I also like the smell of scented Epsom salts. A big part of my routine is to take baths. It's very, very comforting for me to buy certain Epsom salts that I love the smell so that I could add it to my baths and have that extra experience that you know, makes me feel like I'm stimming in every type of way. And honestly, you guys, I love the different smells of the air. For whatever reason, I could smell the differences of smells in the air at different times of day, different types of seasons, and different types of temperatures. I don't know why, but that brings a deep sense of comfort for me. And these are all very important because like, whatever you write here on the comfort side, these are things that you know that you could look to experience over and over again, especially in moments where you are feeling depleted or fatigued. And these are things where you know you could avoid. So let's move on to visual stims. Visual discomforts, white or blue light. I do not have to freaking explain that. I'm sure a lot of you guys know what I'm talking about. Too many people. It's just a lot going on. I already people watch, so it's just very, very overwhelming. Another visual discomfort is a dirty environment. There's dirty and then there's messy, right? 
Messy does bother me, but it doesn't bother me as much as dirty because with messes, like as long as it's clean, it's fine. But if it's dirty, then I can't deal with it. So technically, if things are clean but messy, I could let that slide. But if things are organized but dirty, I just can't do dirty. But of course, like messy and dirty together is just completely not... I cannot deal with that. I cannot even be in that environment. And if I do have to, I could know that this is something that will send me into a burnout, fatigue slash meltdown. So these are good things to keep in mind. No diversity. So I think this is like a woman of color thing, but a lot of the times if I'm ever in a situation where there's no diversity, like I don't see other people of color. I don't see that there's other women around or just like, different types of people around, I could feel very uncomfortable. And this is kind of like going into a social thing as well, but I'm putting it down in visual because these are things you, that you're taking in visually that affects your experience and your mental health. Certain textures and colors. So this one's weird because I think it's a preference thing. I can't like pinpoint specifically like what certain textures and colors put me off because I do love textures and colors. It's more of like in combination with each other. Like are they put together in a way that makes sense and feels good or is it just like mismatched and uncomfortable? But either way, I think it's important to highlight that these things matter and that it makes a big difference for me as a neurodivergent individual. Another visual discomfort for me is sterile environments. I feel like a big reason why sterile environments makes me visually uncomfortable is because of like a few things like the white blue light. Usually sterile environments have that type of lighting. Also just how it doesn't have a lot of things that do bring me comfort, I think is a big part of it. How there's no nature, there's no organic anything there. So visual comforts would be trees. Honestly, nature in general, clouds, certain color combinations, people's style and fashion can bring me a deep sense of comfort and interior design. So these are things that brings a deep sense of visual comfort and these are a lot of the things that I non-ironically partake in a lot because it's something I enjoy and I know it's because it helps me stim. Moving on to the next thing, which is tactile. This is touch, right? This one should be easier. Certain fabrics will make me extremely uncomfortable. Clothing tags, clothing sizes or fitting. I think body temperature regulation is another big one. Feeling too hot, too cold is a really quick way to make me feel extremely uncomfortable. Being touched makes me feel uncomfortable. By most people, of course, like I want to be touched by certain people in my life in a certain way. But in general, I don't like people grabbing me. I don't like people hugging me out of nowhere. I don't like people just like doing any sort of touch that I am not expecting or consenting to. But of course, in certain situations like doing jujitsu or if I'm with a partner, like I want to feel their touch, right? Okay, so another tactile discomfort I would say is being in a confined space. So I'm not saying all confined spaces make me uncomfortable, but if I'm ever in a situation where I am in a certain space and I feel like I cannot leave. So it's not that it's like a tight space necessarily. It's like I'm here and I feel like I can't leave when I want to. You know, not that I'm like physically 
trapped, like actually trapped, but let's say like sitting in a classroom or in a movie theater or on an airplane or in a car for extended periods of time. Just the concept of like, I'm sitting here and I cannot just get up and move or get up and leave if I want to. That is like a physical thing that makes me feel extremely uncomfortable. If I'm not making sure I'm managing everything else, I could really quickly have like an anxiety or panic attack. Tactile comforts is, again, certain fabrics will bring me a deep sense of comfort. Petting animals, and I'm gonna say petting humans too. So something I've noticed about myself is when I'm with a partner, I constantly need to be like stimming on their skin, just like scratching their skin or like rubbing on their hairs. Just like that specific type of like tactile stim is really comforting for me. And I, I need that to be able to like focus and concentrate and like co-regulate things like that. Another tactile comfort is baths. So being able to take baths, take showers, Having that water on my skin is a very deep sense of comfort for me. And that's a big part of my routine to regulate myself and reset and bring myself back to a certain baseline. And of course, Epsom salt baths, like that's combining two different sensory things into one experience. So you're starting to see where I'm getting with all of this, right? Another tactile comfort for me is cool weather. So something about cool weather brings a deep sense of comfort for me. There's a literal actual biological reasoning that a certain cool temperature is really good for your mental health. If you're dressed right and you know what type of fabrics can keep you warm and insulated and you wear that in cool weather, that is like the ultimate tactile stim for me. Being able to be out experiencing cool weather, but I'm all bundled up and warm. I love the way that feels. And another tactile comfort for me is to sunbathe. Of course, like not when it's super hot or humid, but there's like a certain type of temperature, maybe around 70 something where it's pretty mild. So moving on to hearing. Okay, so discomforts. Loud people is definitely a very intense discomfort for me. And loud music loud sounds in general, too many sounds at once. You know, that could translate to like a bunch of different sounds going on, like conversations, a garbage truck outside, babies crying, animals barking. When you combine multiple sound sources all in one area, that is a really quick way to get me into a meltdown. I cannot be in like too many environments at once usually. I'm starting to realize as I write this out, this is a big reason why I think for me at least, and I know a lot of people watching this would relate to as well, but this is probably a big reason why a lot of us struggle with daily activities or just like a day-to-day -day normal adult life because we have to avoid a lot of environments that has these things. And so what that can mean is like our social life suffers because of it, because we can't go out to a lot of environments and we can't do a lot of things with other people that they want to do because of these types of things. Angry people. There's something about like when someone is aggressive and angry, whether that's a man or woman, even animals, but like the thought of like fighting, arguing, yelling, any sort of like aggressive environment makes me feel extremely on edge. 
And I think this is like the hearing thing combined with like my PTSD probably. Certain environments will have more angry people and more unpredictable type of people. So I would avoid environments like that. Usually environments that involves drugs or alcohol is things I would avoid. With hearing, surprisingly, a lot of my hearing discomforts are in association with people. I'm, I'm surprised writing this all down. This is a good example of like why it's so important to, you know, actually reflect on this and write it out because you will learn so much about yourself. Because I would expect that a lot of my discomforts with hearing is associated to actual sounds, like objective sounds, but I'm seeing that a lot of it has to do with people. I say that because the last one I have is like certain voices and enunciations is a very deep sense of discomfort for me. For example, I call it the Kermit the Frog voice. If someone's voice is like at the back of their throat, their voice sounds like this. That is a very uncomfortable thing for me to listen to. Also just very loud voices, high-pitched voices. Their S's are very sharp. I've talked about this before in past videos and put examples. Those will make me so viscerally uncomfortable to a point where I can not listen to that person talk. I need to like remove myself from the situation. And I put that down in specific because I know not a lot of people are like that. A lot of people are like, it's not that big of a deal, Irene, they're just talking. But for me, it's so uncomfortable that I cannot function in that room, in that conversation. I need to leave comforts that I have with hearing. I'm gonna put frequencies with music. I'm gonna put white noise podcasts birds and then i'm gonna put slow calming music i'm gonna put nature sounds it applies to white noise but it also applies to actually being in nature and hearing everything like the wind the trees the ocean the birds everything in combination with each other when you're out in nature i love the way that sounds so yeah, let's move on to taste. This one I think is not gonna be as extensive as the other ones because I do not have many taste aversions. I'm talking about me, I'm not saying every person of color is gonna be like this, but I think growing up in an Asian household and in California, we were exposed to a lot of different types of food. So I feel like if anything, I am used to eating all types of food and I actually like it that way. And so I'm not really a picky eater, but um, taste discomforts. I'm going to say seafood. So seafood, I don't like the smell and I don't like the taste. I don't avoid all seafood. I can only eat a certain type of seafood cooked in a certain way, but usually like I just have a aversion to seafood. I think I feel an aversion to things that are too sweet. I think that's a cultural thing too, but when something's too sweet, it just makes me feel a little bit sick. So I can't eat anything that's too sweet. I think that's it, honestly. Like I don't have many discomforts, but when it comes to sensory comforts, I like things that are creamy. I like things that are spicy. I like things that are salty. I like things that are flavorful. And I like rich, simplistic flavors as well. So for example, I don't necessarily like really complicated types of food. If anything, I like simplistic food that is very rich and flavorful. So I care more about quality over quantity, if that makes sense. 
A good example is like ice cream flavors. A lot of people like ice cream that has a bunch of stuff going on. But for me, I will always pick like a simple vanilla or like a simple lavender ice cream over anything else like Rocky Road or cookies and cream or something like that. And then the last taste that I find very deep comfort in is coffee. So this is something I love. I was a barista because I love coffee. Every time I travel, coffee is a necessity. Every day I need coffee. I feel like people go out and they want to try different foods, different bars, all that stuff. But for me, I want to try like the local coffee shop. So moving on, this portion of the worksheet is going to be going into tasks that we feel attracted to and the tasks that we avoid. So this is important because I want you guys to get used to identifying which tasks makes you feel a certain way and begin to pick apart what sensory experience is attached to this task that either makes you want to avoid it or do it. And so I'm going to get into tasks that I avoid. The first one that I could think of is dishes. I think I avoid dishes because it is wet and cold. It's boring. That's important to know because one, if these are the reasons why I avoid washing dishes because my skin gets soggy and wet. Also, it's cold because my skin's soggy and wet, but also the tile in my kitchen floor makes my feet cold. And also it's boring because once you wash dishes, you have to do it for like, I don't know, sometimes it's not even that long, but let's say like 10 to 30 minutes. You're just like bored out of your mind the whole time. It's important to know where the source is to your avoidance because you could target those things and make these things more easily done. Other tasks that I find myself avoiding is socializing. This could be in so many different contexts, like socializing with friends, socializing in family situations, socializing in big groups of people, anything that requires being out and talking to one or more people is something that I find myself avoiding a lot of the times. And I feel like I avoid this because it's too loud. It's unpredictable. I have to mask and script which could be overwhelming when you know you're just tired in general maybe burnt out or you're just not in the mood to mask and come up with certain types of scripts in certain contexts and you know all of that is also harder when you are in unpredictable environments socializing are things that i could avoid altogether and it's also things i could avoid every now and then depending on what context it is other things I avoid is unpredictable situations. So this can be many things, right? But what this ultimately means is like any sort of situation that I feel like I cannot predict or account for, I avoid altogether because I can't go in and figure out what certain sensory experiences I'm gonna have and therefore I can't know what to accommodate for and account for. I don't want to put myself through a situation where I'm in that time and place, something happens and I just like have to deal with it during that time. Thinking on my toes, things like that is like very overwhelming for me because I do have autism. If there's any situation that's unpredictable in any sense, I just avoid it altogether if I can. All the senses are gonna be affected. I just don't know how. 
And that don't know part is kind of what freaks me out. Yeah, I feel like I don't really avoid too many things. It's mostly socializing and unpredictable situations that I avoid, but what I'm realizing is that this is a huge chunk of life in general. I'm not gonna feel bad for like not having more filled out because this encompasses like friends, this encompasses like new situations, family. So like that does affect a big chunk of my life to avoid socializing because you know what I'm saying, right? Like everything in life requires socializing. So if that is something I avoid and it's because of all these unpredictable things, it kind of does get in the way of my life in many contexts because life is not always predictable. Socializing is a huge part of being an adult. So yeah, like these are things I avoid. And of course there's like ways to try to make socializing easier for yourself or to know how to accommodate in certain social situations so that you don't have to completely avoid every social situation just like the social situations that have factors that you cannot accommodate for like those are the ones that you just try to absolutely avoid so for example like going out to clubs partying festivals like these are things that i absolutely avoid under all costs and i don't even try to partake because there's just, it's not worth it for me. There's no accommodations I could really give myself and it would just be like insufferable for me to go through that. But if socializing, like seeing one friend a week, for example, that would be a really easy way to accommodate for so that I could still see my friends get my social needs met, but not feel completely uncomfortable doing it. I'm gonna get into tasks that I enjoy. I kind of have a feeling that this list is gonna be longer. And I think that this is the case because I have come to a good place in my life where I have learned a lot about my neurodivergencies and given myself the accommodations I need. So because of that, I have a longer list of things I enjoy. I feel like maybe if you were to like have me fill this out five years ago this tasks that i avoid list would be so much longer because i was just not living a life that was accommodating to myself and so let's get into tasks that i enjoy i enjoy cleaning my house i enjoy doing my laundry i enjoy getting ready so that could be doing makeup making coffee I enjoy my morning routine. My morning routine is like getting ready, making coffee, doing my morning stretches, breathing, things like that. I enjoy going on walks outside. I enjoy running errands. I enjoy browsing. I enjoy my night routine. And I enjoy watching and listening to things. So the reason why I found a good way to enjoy all of these things is because I took a primary thing I enjoy and I injected it into all of these things. So for example, when it comes to watching and listening to something, I like to watch TV shows, listen to podcasts, watch YouTube videos, things like that. So that's something I wanna do all the time. And I used to do that all the time by itself. And I was like a really lazy person, very passive and wasn't doing much. And I couldn't maintain my life. But I noticed that if I were to allow myself to watch or listen to something I like while cleaning my house, while doing laundry, while getting ready, while doing my morning routine, while going on a walk, running errands, all of these things, it makes doing all of those things easier to do. It's something I look forward to doing because I'm combining 
one stim with another and so it becomes an enjoyable experience because if i were to just clean my house and it was completely quiet and i had nothing for my mind and my ears to latch onto i would feel extremely hyposensitive where i'm just like so bored out of my mind looking to latch onto something to stim on and so this is why i constantly need an auditory stim when I'm just going about my day because it just helps me stim and therefore it helps bring a sense of focus. If I were to go into the reasons why I like doing these things, it's because my body is engaged in a task while my mind is being stimulated through watching and listening to something. So that is like an auditory stim that stimulates my mind while my body is just doing something. I feel like a lot of people with ADHD needs to tap into that, like doing something with your body while also stimulating another sense that can tap into your mind being stimulated. So like all of these things is like a physical task, right? But if my mind is not also being stimulated at the same time with something different, other than the task itself, it's like really hard to tap into getting it done. Cause like when I get ready or I'm doing laundry and things like that, my mind is so bored. I need my mind to be concentrating on something else while it's doing something. So I noticed that when it comes to finding tasks that you enjoy and making things enjoyable, a really good way to get those needs met is to have your mind stimulated while you're physically doing something else. And I think most people can't concentrate on two different things, but if you're a neurodivergent person, usually your focus is better when you do have like two different things that you're doing at the same time. So of course the senses that are engaged when you have this little combination going on is tactile, visual, and hearing. And also like smell too, I guess. You could smell things like when you're doing laundry, it smells good, right? Okay, so moving on. Now we're getting into the portion of the workbook that is getting into stims. So now that we have a really good idea of like our sensory experiences, we could really get into the stim aspect of neurodivergency. In this page, I go into what stimming is so we can understand what it is before we start to get more into it. Some reasons why people can stim is because we could stimulate the senses or decrease sensory overload, adapt to an unfamiliar environment, reduce anxiety and calm yourself, express frustration, especially if you have trouble communicating effectively, and avoid certain activities or expectations. So these are certain reasons why people may stim. And I thought it would be helpful to list some of these reasons because maybe you don't know what your stims are when you stim, if you even stim. So it's helpful to read these and think back on moments of this. Can you reflect back on it and think of certain things you may do or hold back on doing? That's kind of where you could really tap into like, have I already been stimming or have I actually been repressing a certain stim? For example, during conversations, do you find yourself getting really tense because you want to physically stim 
but you hold back on it because you know it might look weird socially. So you make yourself super tense, flex all your muscles to keep yourself from tapping your leg or like pinching your skin or something like that. This next page, we're gonna write down specific stims we may have associated to a certain sense. So this is gonna be helpful because we already kind of went through certain sensory comforts that we have. This is where we could begin to uncover that specific sensory comfort we have and whether or not that could be a stim that we have. Hearing stims that I have is of course, listening to music podcasts and videos. So that is an auditory stim for me and I basically need an auditory stim at all times. If I don't have an auditory stim, I cannot really function and think and process as smoothly as I need to. And I think this is a big reason why growing up I always struggled so much in school environments because I was needing to do so much concentrating without an auditory stim. And that is just not a way that I can operate naturally. I noticed that when I do have an auditory stim, I can function almost like better than other people because I'm able to tap into those needs that I have. Taste stim that I have is of course coffee. I noticed that because coffee is a deep sense of comfort for me, it is also like a taste stim. I need coffee with me throughout the day, every day. And if I don't have coffee with me, it's hard for me to like get into the flow of things. And so I always need to have like something there for me to drink. Having water is fine, you know, having a drink is fine, but for me, it has to be coffee. And if I don't have my coffee, again, it's harder for me to tap into a flow state to focus and to concentrate. A tactile stim that I have, I have a lot of tactile stims. So for me, it's pulling my hair, picking my skin, squeezing my skin, and it's also rubbing skin or clothes and also sometimes like tapping on things. A lot of you guys will probably have more tactile stims than the other ones because your hands and what you can touch has more accessible things to latch onto than like other stuff. Because usually when you're stimming, it's while you're already doing something else. And so like, of course, when you're doing something, you can't be like eating at the same time or listening to something else at the same time a lot of the times. You know, there are certain situations where you can, but most of the time when you're just sitting in place, like the stims that are gonna come to you and is accessible to you most of the time are like tactile stims. So like bouncing your leg, tapping, writing things down, doodling, pulling your hair. These are like tactile stims. It's important to know that because when you are finding yourself doing a tactile stim, you should know that the reason why you're doing it and therefore not feel guilty when you do it or feel self-conscious because you can in your mind tell yourself, this is when I need to be present. This is what I need to focus and to concentrate. And therefore I don't feel the need to stop myself. And if anything, I'm gonna encourage myself to do it because it's gonna help me show up better in this conversation, in this interaction. I could give that accommodation to myself. Okay, so smelling stim, clean clothes, clean environment. That one's really important because if I'm ever in a situation or an environment that it doesn't smell clean, 
I know that that is gonna be like something that raises my blood pressure and makes me feel anxious throughout that whole time I'm there. That's good to know because I could remove myself from the situation or tap into other stims to help regulate myself in that situation until I could get out. Or likewise, if I'm ever in an environment that does have clean clothes, does smell clean, I know that that's a sense of comfort and will make me feel good. Also, in that sense, if there's other discomforts present, I can cope with it better because I do have clean smells to rely on. You see where I'm getting there? So, for example, like, if I'm in a clean smelling environment, I could cope with different stressors better because that is a sensory comfort that I have to rely on in order to regulate myself better. Visual stims for me is warm lighting or colored lighting. So colored lighting could be any sort of color, but I like to see colored lights. I think that's why I like theme parks. Candlelight is comforting, darker lighting. If I ever enter an environment where the color tones are just right and it looks all good together and the lighting is right, I feel like I could visually stim so much and it brings like a deep sense of comfort to me. Usually when I know that I'm having all these visual stims that I could experience, again, I could kind of cope with everything else a lot better because of it. And so I'm not as stressed and this is why it's important to know your stims because you could know that I'm gonna do well in this environment or I'm gonna have higher chances of having burnout or meltdowns in this environment because my stims are not accommodated for or I can't get those accommodations for those stims and I'm like uncomfortable with all these sensory things. Now we arrive at the last page of this workbook. Now that we have a good idea of our sensory discomforts, comforts, and also our stims, we could go through situations in our lives that are uncomfortable or that we avoid and figure out an accommodation that would make it easier for us to go through that certain situation. A situation that I would feel very uncomfortable in, for example, is the doctor's office or doctor's appointments. I feel like a lot of you have the same experiences, but doctor's offices are so stressful. The medical system is confusing and hard to navigate. The office is so sterile. The lighting is horrible. It's just very overwhelming. There's all these machines that's making all these noises. The social interactions are very scary scary and intimidating and so an accommodation that I could give myself in these situations is the auditory stim. So bringing a pair of headphones and listening to something that I could concentrate on and brings a deep sense of comfort. Another thing I could do is a tactile stim, so bringing something that I could work on with my hands or a tactile stim could also be what you wear. So whatever you think will make you more comfortable in that situation to regulate yourself with your clothes is something that you could really tap into. So sometimes a tactile stim for me is to wear compression clothes. So clothes that can like hold me together and help bring a deeper sense of calm 
or on the other end of the spectrum wear very loose clothes so that I don't feel confined. Whatever you think is gonna work for you better in that situation, really tap into it. And then another thing that I could accommodate for is a visual stim. That one, I'm gonna put sunglasses. If you're in the doctor's office and there's all these fluorescent lights or blue lighting, that could be very overwhelming for your eyes. In that sense, I would wear orange sunglasses so that it could help neutralize that very intense light or wear blue light blocking glasses. Blue light blocking is more subtle because they just look like glasses, but if you are not really self-conscious about wearing this indoors, which I don't think it's really a big deal because a lot of celebrities and public figures nowadays wear colored glasses like this. I guarantee you, if you have a lot of visual discomforts and you bought yourself a pair of orange glasses and you wear it throughout your day, you will feel automatically more relaxed in general. And it's honestly just because you're getting rid of a lot of visual discomforts. So sometimes if I'm feeling more on edge a certain day, or if I know I'm gonna be staring at my computer screen all day, I'll wear my orange glasses just so I could knock out those like visual discomforts, like that blue light, make everything more warm colored and it just like feels a lot better for me. I feel like I can regulate myself a lot easier. So those are like some accommodations I can have when I go to the doctor's office, it'll make that process a lot smoother, hopefully, and so therefore I don't want to avoid it all the time. Another thing I could see myself avoiding is socializing. A big reason why I avoid social situations is because of the intense auditory overwhelm and the unpredictability aspect of it. And so ways I could accommodate for that is one, picking a more quiet environment to interact with the other person. What this could mean is going to a coffee shop. What this can also mean is going to nature, going to a park. For me, going to a coffee shop is not only more quiet, but it's also something I'm familiar with, but also coffee is a taste stim for me that can help regulate me even more during a social interaction. I'm gonna put nature. Nature is also something that I could feel comfortable with because it ticks off a lot of my sensory comfort boxes. So like the sounds, the tactile, like feeling the wind on my skin, those are a lot of comforts that I could get from one environment. And so if I could get all of these things met, or just like one or two of these things met, it makes socializing more desirable for me to do, more comfortable for me to do. I could know that if I can't get these needs met, I probably don't wanna socialize, right? Those are a few things that I could make accommodations for with situations that are otherwise uncomfortable to do and something I may avoid doing as well. But yes, you guys, now we're at the end of this video. For those of you who download this workbook and fill it out yourself, I hope that it was very, very helpful for you guys in uncovering what your stims are. And you guys can take that knowledge that you gain to reflect on how to integrate those stims into your life and see how much it improves your quality of life. Again, I will leave a link to this workbook down below. Thank you guys for watching this far. I will see you guys on next week's video. Bye guys.